On this episode of Resi Week, Lutron debuts Raw 3, and is it time to sell your business? All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 300, One Throat to Choke. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Crestron. Welcome to this episode of Resi Week. This is your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott, for avnation.tv. And this week, I'm pleased to be joined by uh, three of my good friends. First, we have the one and only Heather Sidorowitz. She is the president of Southtown AV, one of the fastest growing companies in Western New York. Yes, I listen when you're on other podcasts. How are you doing, sis? I'm, uh, I'm doing well. I've got crazy um, uh, time issues from being at Infocom. No, no, I'm good. I'm good in the Ooh, I got I to go to Infocom. <laughs> Just because I want to go to Canada. Yeah, I know. Then we have everyone's favorite uncle, uh, Uncle Richie, Richard Fergosa. He's the principal of Fergosa Design. How are you, sir? Mellow West Coast greetings. I'm dealing with uh, my Halloween hangover. So I was not at Infocom this year. Uh, we were stationed an event for about uh, 800 trick-or-treaters, and it was madness here. Good madness, self, self-inflicted, but... but uh, yeah, moving a little slow after. It still hurts. It's all good. It's all good. We're not judging. And rounding it out, we've got my brother, Mr. Joe Whitaker. He's the CEO of Thoughtful Integrations. How are you doing, Joseph? Doing good. As always, glad to be on the show. I'm surprised, you know, you didn't make this, like, Sparta-themed. I mean, it is like the 300th episode it or something. So, you know, you should have, like, been in it full... Is gear like ready to go to battle actually i could have i could have worn my my spartan regalia uh because if if you're a college football fan uh my my wonderful msu uh spartans destroyed our quote unquote big brother michigan uh over the weekend so that was great and all my you know blue and maize um fans were very upset about that so anyways let's let's kick this off with a story that was announced uh early this morning uh this is coming to us from residential systems lutron is introducing radio raw 3 their brand new lighting control system uh this is their first iot connected lighting control system uh utilizing a, a bunch of cool things obviously um the iot they've got a brand new all-in-one processor that's going to be powered via poe uh new programming new app-based editing uh and one of the things that got me all hot and bothered it's backwards compatible to raw 2 and raw 2 select uh one of the things that every message board has been whining about since the day raw select uh was was brought out heather let me let me start with you on this is the is the iot aspect of this going to be the industry kind of kind of break ground point for this market segment to have a major player with a fully functional system that is quote unquote iot enabled it'd be nice right i mean we we keep it'd be it'd be great i mean lighting is still that one piece i've been in so many beautiful houses that it's still even though it's been around for a while there's still that final frontier piece of it I've never really understood why people will spend thousands and thousands of dollars on their TV 
But the moment you tell them it's $150 to $200 in light switch, they're like, ah, no, it's too much. And then you say, great, can you turn on your garage light? And they go, click, 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 click. No, not that one. Click, click. No, not that one. So yeah, it would be, it would be great if that does become the case. Rich, one of the things that, and, and we were talking about this pre-show, one of the things that I think is going to be, how do I, how do I phrase this politely? Um, the, the real big key to this, this market segment, we've, we've seen how kind of the, that mid-level lighting control market has just been eroded by all these low cost, reasonably functional Wi-Fi switches, Z-Wave switches, Zigbee switches that are all over Amazon. And as a, as a raw two dealer, this is my pain point. I walk into pitch lighting control and we usually lead with raw two. And when it hits the price point, the client goes, well, I can get pretty much the same thing out of a $50 dimmer that I buy on Amazon is, is the, is this the product that, and, and again, we don't know pricing yet. So we're kind of hoping, <laughs> but is this the product that's going to have the feature set that even if it is kind of in the realm that it currently is with raw two, that it's going to overcome that, those, those entry level systems. I don't know if it was designed to overcome the entry level systems. Um, you know, again, this is radio raw three. So go back to radio raw 25 years ago. It was the first wireless lighting system, right? You know, you were dealing with mm -hmm. graphic eyes before that with little remotes. And then it was their groundbreaking technology at the time, wireless lighting communication, being able to do some integrated lighting controls without having to rip open your walls. Fast forward to what, 15 years ago, 12 years ago, yeah. Raw 2. Raw 2 took that and then said, by the way, we're jumping on what we had originally, which was wireless control, and we can make it standalone and or part of a homework system, which then again became mm -hmm. that next evolutionary step where you could use wireless lighting in an estate situation where it was a retrofit or an upgrade to a system or a panelized lighting system that was going out. RAW 3 is that next step, which is it's part of a connected home. And where Lutron is really focusing, and if you take a look at the marketing material, again, we don't know pricing, but if you look at the marketing material, front and center is interoperability. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, uh, one thing that we really need to consider, which is, yes, there are very good inexpensive options out there that are that are in a very specific sandbox. You know, they are not going to play outside of that sandbox unless they can figure a way to jump onto a larger ecosystem out there, whether it's Alexa, HomeKit, dot, 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 with varying results. And again, you have to kind of see, you know, it's it's the entry level, the mid-level, and the high end. In the mid-level, Lutron had to make it just because Radio Raw 2 is reaching its functional end mm -hmm. as a system. So Raw 3 had to be a natural evolution because Raw 2 systems will start to hit end of life, end of service. So the best customer for Lutron is a Lutron customer. So I think that that was 
definitely part. Are they going to go ahead and disrupt the market again? No, absolutely not. Um, but they needed to provide something for their existing a, a, and a large existing base. Um, and it's a tough proposition because you do have people saying, well, I can do so much with this. Well, you know, brand loyalty and the integration side of things and all of those things come into play from a sales standpoint. You know, I don't think Lutron came in saying we're going to completely upend the market. They looked at it and saying we have tens of thousands of these installations sitting out there that we are going to have to update at some point. And, uh, you know, and again, first reports of it, I like it. I think integration is going to become more and more. It's going to be, it's just going to be assumed, I think, as time passes. It's not even going to be special anymore. There's just going to be assumptions that mm -hmm. you will be able to communicate with the major integration partners out there. And I think that's what Lutron went in. And Lutron's actually trying to throw in, based on what I read, um, the anticipatory services, right? It's it's anticipatory services are, you know, light harvesting, shading, you know, working your way through. And, you know, we always talk about automation. Automation really should learn to run on its own, to adjust itself to the cycles of the home without user interaction. And kind of one of the small things that they put in there that they're not really talking about, but you can see is they're laying the groundwork for that, which is the, you know, we call it touchless automation, right? It, it's, it should be set and forget where the lights, as part of a critical system in your home, should require less and less interaction over time. Um, and that's kind of the exciting thing that I saw about that. Yeah, very good. Joe, one of the things that I'm seeing that, again, kind of excites me a little bit uh, more than I was kind of expecting to be, <laughs> was the fact that they're they're doing two things from a from an approach right um they're going to the led pro dimmers so literally a one size fits all led pro dimmer that will do pretty much anything you need there's not a light uh source or a dimming capability that that dimmer doesn't cover so it's one spec mm -hmm. opposed to typically with raw two it's five, maybe six kind of common specs uh, for the for the last couple of years. They're also um, bringing their new Leap API, which is the piece that allows that that system programming that Rich was talking about to be native to your third party control system, your your Alexas, uh, as well as your you know Crestron's control fours, Alon, Savants, all that fun stuff, um, RTIURC, etc. Are these the things that are going to make dealers who have kind of taken all of their mid-range clients and for the bat for, for again, lack of a better term, have just kind of let them do what they want, go buy whatever, you know, dimmer you want that just gives you the little capability you're looking for. And we're not going to push a system if you're not a, not real encouraged to buy a system. Are these the things that, that bridge that gap i think it's some of the things but i think what lutron is doing to us in the back of our minds subconsciously is the bigger thing um because you know rich was just talking about the lower and the median media market lutron's already been playing with that with caseta for forever and they've got the analytics on all that they you know they they came out with the pro bridge so that you could connect caseta to Crestron, Control Force, Savant, list goes on and on and on. 
they've been toying with that and getting those analytics and those numbers forever. And I think to me, it's a bigger play from Lutron at this point. From this point, it is Lutron wanting to control and um, manage the way light enters your eye inside your house from the electrical panel to the phone app. Whether it be shades with the new, you know, wireless palladium stuff, uh, it, it, the, you know, RAW 3. I, I, what I think they're doing is they're trying to make it all more attractive, easier to get in your hands, and then knock down all the walls that have been the walls that have held Lutron out of people's house before. The price, okay, let's fix that. Oh, it doesn't integrate with every system or Alexa or whatever, home. Okay, let's knock down that wall. What, what I think they're doing is, and that's what actually makes it, it exciting for me, is it's like they're doing the sales jobs person for them. We're going to take away all the rebuttals we can possibly think of, and we're just going to make them all go away. And we're going to make it easier for the homeowner to acquire it, easier for you to program it, install it, because you were just talking about the, the, the dimmers, which I think are that's genius because they can do incandescent, fluorescent, halogen, reverse phase, forward phase, doesn't matter, doesn't care. And we'll mm -hmm. dim it at any rate you want to you know, dim it at. So I, that's what I think is going on right now is they're knocking down all the rebuttals. Same thing with the new wireless shades. I mean, look, they got a battery in them now. Cool. There's another rebuttal. Knock down. You don't need a wire. So I think that's the, the genius of what Lutron's doing right now. Another product announcement is another product announcement. But if you look at it kind of in their, you know, their global brand promise, man, they're, they're, they're swinging for the fences right now. And I think they're onto something. Yeah, I like it. All right, let's uh, change topics for a minute. This comes to us from CE Pro and a friend of the show, Jason. Not is now the time to sell your AV integration business. Uh, buying opportunities seem to exist in our CI industry for the first time in decades with opportunities uh, abounding, it, it, it seems. We've seen this with Bravas coming out and, and gobbling up some companies uh, over the, the the fall, there's been a couple other um, companies that have been acquired as well. Rich, when you when you see this, when you see this article, you kind of have to build your business one of two ways. You either build and position your business to sell it, right? That that is your end goal. You're building a business to at some point sell it. Or you're building building it to to grow it and and pass it on essentially. Is that something? Is is that an approach that you've seen in the residential space be typically successful? Well, so let's put commercial aside. Let's let's just speak to Resi since this is Resi Week. And and Joe will laugh at this probably because we've we've all said this so many times. So when we started in the industry, again, going on 30 years, a little bit less for Joe, we all got in the industry because we weren't going to be able to get regular day jobs. It's just, we, we, you know, I started a company because I was unhirable. I just, you know, so I think that a lot of, business owners starting out in the early phases um we just needed to do something because we weren't you know again if we were running our bands you know our bands weren't making money 
So, you know, you needed to do something to make some money. And in the old days, again, kind of dated myself, it was truly kind of that rock and roll idea because, again, you were making stuff up on the fly. It was like clients were saying, I want this. Okay, that thing's not made yet. So we're going to figure out a way to make it. It was truly the custom side of the industry. And it was born out of hobbyists, um, people who, who were passionate and said, I can make a living doing something that I love and not have to sit in a cubicle all day long. The thought of building a company, the the mechanics of running a company, all of those things, typically <laughs> kind of the third thing on your list when mm -hmm. you started out. The first part was figuring out what the heck you're doing in the first place, and then you grew. And I think as our industry has matured, and as the guys who were in our you know early twenties are now in our you know got into our forties and our fifties went, oh, I'm closer to the end of my career than I am at the beginning of my career. I need to now decide what am I going to do for my employees? What am I going to do if a family business is going to pass on to the next generation? Um, you know, how to, and, and all of a sudden, and if you take a look at it, you'll also see the maturation of how the Cedia channel occurred. We started having the dealer summits. We started having the business management uh, meetings. We, we, we started trying to find ways to teach integrators the business of doing business. Mm -hmm. um, and so there are people who come from a different line. I mean, if you, if you asked 25 years ago how many people were going to come into this industry straight out of business school or, you know, with MBAs, none, mm -hmm. none. Now you are seeing that, you know, and I, I guess I'll use the word legitimate business people who again custom av is just a product it could have been a hotel chain it could have been a widget chain right it was business was business for them mm -hmm. and they brought a different viewpoint to how to grow it and you're seeing it with like some of the iot companies right they're running they're having to run on low margins so they're having to figure a way to create a business model that is profitable regardless of the product where prior we were, you know, we were, we were, we were profits, you know, we were, we were jumping onto a manufacturer through, through the cult of personality, you know, of these huge, you know, names in the industry, Sam Runco, uh, Chris Stevens, you know, all of these guys. And we were just jumping, a guy Geffen, you know, I mean, all of these guys that we were, um, uh, uh, that we were jumping on and we were rallying around the stuff that we were doing, Eve Ferrugia. Right. All these guys that, you know, these are hollowed names. And, and so we were passionate, but we didn't have the most business sense. Mm -hmm. I'm the first one to admit I loved what I did, made a great living, probably lost as much along the way because I didn't know what I was doing half the time. But we loved it. Um, and so now I think that, yes, we're maturing. We're out of our adolescence. Businesses are growing and you're seeing that you're seeing it with the Bravas acquisitions. You're seeing it with uh, Guitar Center and, you know, when they got AVDG. And, and so these other ways of operating, people are, are dealing with, you know, it's, it, 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 it's not personal. It's just business. Mm -hmm. That's what you're seeing more and more from integrators. They're collaborating more. They're seeing the ability in same markets to grow to basically align with one another where before it was you know it was iron iron you know i you know iron iron against iron right we all made each other better because we were competing with each other it didn't matter who um, but that was just the nature of who we were as, as business owners and so i mean long story short 
the the industry has matured to the point and the market has changed to the point that you have to mind your business of running your business. And so succession plans, um, you know, employee buyouts, um, you know, generational shifts, acquisitions, mergers, all of these things that, again, yeah, you know, not, not only do you need to know about speaker placement, you now need to be able to manage your P&L sheet. And so I think it's a good thing. I think that we've grown into it. Um, and, and I think we will have to see it more and more because the margins have changed, especially over the past 10 years, that you just have to be so much more careful about how you run your business because there's so much more competition out there. Yeah, very good. Joseph, one of the the key points that, that Jason touches on is that 52% of integrators have literally no exit plan at all. This is not a new number. And I'd argue it's actually gotten better <laughs> over the last couple of years but typically no one has an exit s strategy in this industry unless you're a on the on the significantly larger side of of the you know the the company size what do you need to do to actually properly develop an exit strategy well you know, it depends on, and that's the Because you're old. That's why yes, I'm asking you. I know. I turned 45 in like a week. My God, where did the time go? No, I mean, but that's kind of the thing about the exit strategy. What I think, um, while the article does lay out a lot of things, it leaves out some of the things that I feel are even more important. And it's kind of like Richie, you know, just spoke to. I mean, yeah, I'm, you know, a decade behind him coming into the industry, but it was still in its infancy back then. And we all got in because of passion. So if you got in because of passion, how is your exit going to match your entrance, right? Why are you going to exit? What do you want to do when you exit? And how are you going to continue on after you exit? This is a big thing missed in that. And it's something that every one of us goes through, you know, in our industry and more. You know, I, I would say anybody in uh, technology or construction, period, right? Framers mm -hmm. love to build stuff. You know, they, they get out there and they work their butt off and they frame houses or do whatever. What are they going to exit to? A chiropractor? No, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> hard work, batting your back. Um, but, you know, that that is the thing to kind of think about is there has been traditional means of what an exit looks like in our industry. And it's not what Jason's talking about. You know, the, the traditional exit in our industry is is kind of the 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 maturization of what we do. One leaves being an integrator and goes and becomes a rep. And then they leave being a rep and then they go work for a manufacturer like Sony or Control 4 or whatever. There was this pathway to an exit that promised gold and is just another freaking job, you know? But that's mm -hmm. what we were taught. We've never been taught that there should be a happy ex exit that's happy for us. So in all that, what I just spit out there is something for all integrators to think about is what do you want to be your after? How are you going to get there? And if you are going to try to exit and sell your company, where is the worth in your company? Do you have a bunch of RMR clients? We don't have very many at all, but we got a really killer client list that spends a ton of money. But then there's that other dealinization. It's kind of like me and Richie, right? Well, our company or what we do is known for our name, not necessarily... It's not necessarily the company where Heather, her company holds, you know, all of that fame itself. She could walk away and sell the company and the company's still worth the company. 
you know, it's it's that battle of what are we worth? What is our company worth? And what's it worth to whom? I mean, Bravis is just basically playing the old trick that uh, Via did back in the day. But what they're realizing is these high wealth clients have homes in multiple states, offices in multiple states, but they want one throat to choke, one company called Bravis that has their own people in each one of those areas. They go, oh, you know, my billionaire client has a place in Dallas. We don't have an office in Dallas. Let's buy somebody in Dallas. That's that thought process. It's the only reason why it's working right now. So how do you exit? Yeah. Find what you love to do. Start stashing away money. And if you get lucky enough to sell your little your little shop, you know, good for you. But just have something planned. You know, one of the interesting things that is never touched on in these articles that always surprises me. When you buy a company, that client list that is so valuable, quote unquote, the attrition rate is something like, 55, 60% in the first three months. Everyone thinks that, oh, I got this awesome client list. You're going to buy my company because my client list is so good. Yeah, half those clients are gone the second you sell that company. Um, but on on that really bright note, Heather, you, you actually kind of to a degree embody part of this article. Yeah, I bought this company. So you I, bought I, this company from got, your dad. Right. Yeah, it was not gifted to me. It was it was purchased. So I I did buy the company, and it wasn't the plan either. He had no plan. So my father started out in 1984, and he's a Vietnam vet, and he worked for another company. And the as the legend goes, he was joking with a friend, like, maybe I'll start my own. You know, like these guys here, of like, I could probably do this. His boss overheard it and walked him to the door. So he started an AV company. Um, so I, I started in early 2000, 2001 and bought the company in 2014. Um, but it was not part of the plan. He never said, hey, I'd love for this to be yours. It was a lot of pulling teeth, and there wasn't that piece of it. I, I would say, as someone who's gone through family business or purchase, like you need to have those difficult conversations now. Um, mm-hmm. That is a huge, huge piece. And then the other side, for me, as I look at what my future holds, um, I had someone ask me, um, are you a lifestyle business? Like, what's, what is your extra sh- exit strategy? It's like the four-letter dirty word that nobody really talks about because we are doing something that we love and we're passionate about. But we all need that, right? Joe just had a baby. You know, Rich has kids. Like, you, you, need, you can't do this forever. And we have an aging piece of our industry that's, you can see it on the show floors that, you know, these, you know, we're not going to live forever. So you have to decide, what is your exit strategy? Is it, do you own a lifestyle business? A lifestyle business is a business that will die with you. Um, you know, you get hit by a bus today, you didn't put anything else into place, can the company go on or not? That's a lifestyle business. If you want your business not to be a lifestyle business, you have to think of all the roles you play. And as business owners, there's multiple ones, right? We're HR and we're marketing and we're sales. You need to start hiring those pieces and eventually you should be able to walk away and your business can function without you. That is so much easier said than done. <laughs> it's easy to give out that advice. It's really hard to put it into action because who cares about your company more than you do? But you have to think about it to get through, even if it's a five or a 10 or a 20 year plan. Um, it's, uh, it, it is something we should probably talk about more in this industry. I, I do feel that, you know, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head that we don't do enough planning in this industry. And I think it's part of the the aspect of 
technology moves so fast. So how could we ever plan down the road for what, what the end game is going to look like? But, you know, if you go into, if you had the opportunity to go sit down with execs from Ring or Amazon or Apple or Samsung or any of the big manufacturers, they, they may not know the, the technical aspect of what they're going to be doing in five years. They don't know what that TV looks like, but they know they're forecasting out. They're doing all that. And I, I think that's something that's, that's highly missed in our, in our channel. And Rich, you and I were on a show last week. I've lost track of time completely now. Um, but you had said something about you have to do what you hate to do like you love it. Hmm. And business planning and business performance is one of those things that if you're not, if you're spending more time, this this is my like free piece of advice to everyone. Um, If you're spending more time reading speaker specs or about the new Lutron piece or or whatever, uh, then you are looking at your, your P and L and looking at your accounts receivable and looking at your three, five and 10 year plan. Uh, Matt, I'll throw into there too. You don't need to know everything. You can hire brilliant people to help you. Oh, hundred percent. I can say, as a person who didn't start in this industry as physically doing this, it's about learning what your magic powers are, and then you can hire out trustworthy people to take care of the other part. So numbers are not my magic, um, but I have an amazing accounting firm that I work with, who we talk back and forth each day and they're watching that and we had that conversation about whys and forecasting but i think that's a, an important piece i don't think i knew that in my young years you know that you could hire on what you didn't know oh yeah you know by far the best piece of business advice i ever got from um the uh we've got an mba we work with and it's it's hire the skills you don't have mm-hmm. you don't have to you so don't have to you don't have to be superman up. Hire the skills you don't have. Pay attention to... try to hold on to everything. That's a fail. No, don't do that. That's dumb. All right. <laughs> let's let's wrap it there before we lose everyone as, as we go down the, the vein of how to actually run a business. You know, those little things. Joseph, if people want to connect with you, learn more about thoughtful integrations, where can they do that? Uh, they can always just find us on some kind of social media at Thoughtful Integrations. Follow me somewhere. Who knows? Well, I don't even know where I am anymore. So, yeah, just... Find him in the tree stand. Find me in the trees, you know, out there with nature. Nature and a broadhead. That's right. Uncle Richie. uh, Some people will get that one. Most people won't. Uncle Richie, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Fregosa Design, where can they do that? Uh, Obviously, you can uh, find me on the interwebs. Type in my name. Um, But FregosaDesign.com is the website. You can find me on Twitter at rfregosa. And I, as I will always say, I hope the place that you can find me most would be here at avnation.tv and our suite of shows, obviously, with you. Uh, AV Week, uh, we have our monthly show with my partner, Steve Greenblatt, A State of Control, which we talk about strictly the state of the automation and control business. Uh, But if you can find me here, that'd be the best place. I'd be even happier if you could put a little shout out to our sponsors. Help them. By helping them, you help us and you help yourself. So, uh that would be the most awesome place. Very much so. Heather Sidorowicz, my friend, 
Uh, if people want to connect with you, learn more about one of the fastest growing companies. I'm going to keep slinging that uh, in Western New York. Where can they do that? Um, you can find us online at southtownav.com or I meander more on Twitter, which is uh, tech underscore chi. It's in a balance between life and technology. Excellent. Thank you all for joining us. If you'd like to connect with me, uh, you can find me at Matt D. Scott on Twitter and pretty much every other social platform. But more importantly, please visit aviation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week. Thank you.